As we've seen, the last pair from Maseches Shviyas discusses the cancellation of loans at the end of Shemitah. Now, as we have seen already, the Chachom were worried that if all the debts were cancelled, that when it comes close to Shemitah and the end of Shemitah, people would stop lending other people, because they would think they wouldn't get their money back, and so they were not willing to lend another person money. So to stop this happening and to cause people to be willing to lend others money, Hillel instituted something known as the Prisbal, which is where you write all your loans to the base then, and that way they're not cancelled, so in that way, people would be willing to lend other people money. Now we're going to see a fascinating idea at the beginning of this Mishnah, and that is that even though technically loans are cancelled at the end of Shemitah, if the borrower agrees to pay back the lender even after that, he can. We learned in the previous Mishnah what exactly he has to say, but the point is he is allowed to repay the money. And we're going to see in this Mishnah that not only is he allowed to do it, but actually, one who returns a debt after Shemitah, after it's been cancelled, this literally means that the spirit of the Chachomim are pleased with him, meaning he's done a good thing. And the reason for this is because if some borrowers do end up paying back the lenders even after Shemitah, people will be more willing to lend money to others. Because they won't think, oh, I'll never get the money back. Because you know what? Some borrowers do give the money back, even without a prisbal. So this is another way that people will be encouraged to lend money when they see that other borrowers are giving back the money. And that is why the Chachom are pleased with this individual. Now the Mishnah is going to bring another two examples of this, not related to Shemitah, but while we're on the topic, says the Mishnah, Halivim in Ager, one who borrows from a convert, money. And this convert is somebody, Shinisgayu Bonov Imai, whose children also converted to become Jewish with him. Now the halacha is that even though in general children inherit their father when they die, when he dies, when it comes to a convert, if he had his children before he became Jewish, then they do not inherit him. And the reason for this is because when one converts to become Jewish, we view it as if he is reborn, which means that he's not related to anybody who he was related to before. His children are no longer actually considered his children, and therefore they do not inherit him halachically. So if somebody borrows money from this convert, and then the convert dies, you do not need to give back the money to the convert's children, because they don't inherit him. So Loyas and Ivanov, he is not obligated to give it back to, the, to his children, to the convert's children. However, Vim Herzer, if he does go ahead and he gives back the money to the children, the spirit of the Chachon is pleased with him. Although it's not an obligation, it is ideal, because otherwise these converts can be very upset. They might even be turned off from being Jewish. And therefore, though you're not obligated to give back the money to them, it is preferable to do so. Okay, and now the mission will give another example of a case where the spirit of the Chachom are pleased with this person, meaning it's a preferable thing to do, although it's not an obligation. Now, before we see this inside, it's important to realize that when somebody buys something from somebody else, halachically, it does not become his just by paying for it. If it's an immovable item, then one only acquires it by lifting it up, by actually moving it towards him. And that is known as a Mashiach. So the says, All movable items are acquired and become the ownership of the person buying it only once he does a Mashiach, only once he sort of drags it towards him or he picks it up towards him. So even paying for something does not actually acquire it for yourself. However, the Mishnah says, Anybody who keeps his word, meaning if he says he'll buy something, then he actually goes ahead and buys it. 
even if he decides after that he doesn't actually want to buy it, because he gave his word, if he goes ahead and buys it, then the spirit of the Chachom is pleased with him, even though technically he is allowed to go back on the deal. And in fact, even if he's given the money already, he's technically allowed to take the money back and go back on the deal as long as he hasn't done a Mashiach. But if he does keep his word, then the spirit of the Chachom are pleased with him, because one's word is very important, and honesty is a very important ideal, and therefore the Chachom are very pleased with this person for keeping his word. Solik Maseches Shavias Mazeltov. From this point onwards, from beginning from Maseches Trumas, pretty much all of the Masechtas, with the exception of one, will discuss the different tithes and the different gifts which one needs to give from his produce to different people. And the first one of those gifts in order of the Masechtas, as well as in the order of when you separate the gifts, the very first gift which one would separate from his produce is Truma, also known as Truma Gadoila, and that is the tithe which one separates and gives to a Kohen. Now the reason why the Masechta is called Masechas Trumais in the plural is because there's actually another Truma which somebody else has to give, and that is a Levi. Now Levi receives a gift called Maiserishan, that's a tenth of one's produce he gives to a Levi. Now when the Levi receives that produce as the Maiserishan, he has to separate a tenth of that and give it to the coin. And that is called Trumas Maiser. That is also a form of Truma, and because of that the Masechta is called Masechas Trumais, because there are really two different types of Truma. There's Truma Gedola and Trumas Maiser. Now of all the gifts which go to different people, Truma is on the highest level. A non-Kohen is not allowed to eat Truma, for example. Even if the Kohen gives it to him to eat, he's not allowed to eat it. As well as that, the Kohen is not allowed to let the Truma become Tome, become impure. He's also not allowed to waste it. There are very strict laws governing what the Kohen can do with this produce. And we'll see throughout the Masechta what exactly those laws are. Now, we do a so there's no specific amount which one needs to separate as Truma. Even if you take one stalk from the entire field, and you give that to a coin, Midra Raisa, you fulfilled your obligation of Truma. However, Midra Bonon, there is an amount which you need to give, and we'll discuss that later on in the Masechta. Now, when the Torah discusses the obligation to give Truma, it only actually mentions three specific types of produce. It says, Reishis the Goncha Tireishcha the first part of your grain, and grain includes the five main types of grain, wheat, barley, oat, spelt, and rye. The second one was Tireishcha, your wine, and Yitzarecha is your oil. So Midoraisa, only grain, wine, and oil are obligated in Truma. However, Midrabanon, all produce which grows from the ground will be obligated in Truma. Now the truth is, this is only one opinion. There are other opinions which hold that more produce is obligated Midoraisa, but according to most Rishonim, only these three things would be obligated Midoraisa. Now when the Torah says you need to separate Truma, it says V'nechshav lochem Trumaschem. It uses the word V'nechshav which comes from the word Machshava to think. And we learn from there that somebody who cannot think properly, he hasn't got 100% mental capacity, somebody like that would not be able to separate Truma. So the Mishnah begins, Chamisha Five people cannot take Truma, they can't separate Truma and designate this as something which should go to a Kohen. V'imtormu. And if they do go ahead and separate Truma, in Trumas and Truma, that which they separated is not considered Truma. It's totally invalid because they are not able to make Truma. They haven't got the ability to designate Truma because the Torah implies that you need proper intention to do so. Now, produce from which the tithes have not been separated is called Tevel. And it's forbidden to eat Tevel until all the tithes have been separated from it. So if we're saying here that the truma is not valid truma, that means that the entire produce is forbidden to be eaten until somebody else separates truma once again. 
So you could put back what was separated before, put it back in the mixture, and then separate it again. But this time it should be done by somebody who can think properly, so that the trimmer will be valid trimmer. So who are these five people? Number one, Hachiresh, somebody who is both deaf and dumb. That Shaita, somebody who is mad, he can't think properly, he does strange things, crazy things, the Hakoton, somebody who is under the age of Bar Mitzvah. These three people are considered to be people who don't have Da'as, they haven't got enough knowledge and intent, and therefore their trimmer would not be valid. Now the second two people on the list, the reason why their trimmer is invalid is for a slightly different reason. Now what is that reason? So the Torah says, Kein Torimu Gam Atem Trumas Hashem. You also can separate truma for Hashem. Now the word also in that posuk is unnecessary, but from the fact that the Torah said an extra word, that comes to teach us that not only can you, the owner of the produce, separate truma, but even somebody else could do it on your behalf. A shliach, if you appoint a messenger to separate the truma on your behalf, then that would also be valid. That's what that word gum in the posuk teaches us. However, the messenger has to be very similar to you. It's learned out of the posse gamatem, also you. So the word also, which includes a messenger, has to be similar to you yourself. And therefore, just like if you yourself were separating a trimmer, you would know that you were doing so. And of course you had permission to do so. So too, the messenger who's doing it has to do it with your permission. And therefore, v'hatorim es she'ene shaloi, if somebody separates trimmer from something which does not belong to him, and he did not have permission to do so, then that trimmer would not be trimmer, because he would not be considered a messenger in that case. And secondly, If a non-Jew separates trimmer on behalf of a Jew, even if he does have permission, his trimmer will not be valid trimmer, the reason being that the messenger has to be similar to the person himself. So just like the person, the owner himself is Jewish, so too his messenger has to be Jewish, and therefore you would not be able to appoint a non-Jew to separate Truma on your behalf. Mishnah base. so the first person on the, on the list in the previous Mishnah of those who cannot separate Truma was a Chirish, a deaf and dumb person. Now the Mishnah will discuss a Chirish, somebody who is deaf, but Hamadabar Ve'ena Shomea. He can speak, he just can't hear. So such a person does have enough thoughts and intention, he's not totally out of the picture, not understanding what's going on, and therefore really he should be able to separate truma. However, when one separates truma, there's a bracha made when he separates it. And therefore, if somebody can't speak, even though technically he's allowed to do the separation, since he can't make the bracha, ideally lo yisraim, he should not separate truma. However, the Imtaram, if he did go ahead and separate Truma, and didn't make a bracha, of course, because he can't speak, nevertheless, Truma, say Truma, his Truma is valid Truma, because like we explained, the actual separation is fine, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that he needs to make a bracha with it, but the bracha itself is not a totally necessary part of the mitzvah of separating Truma. The mitzvah works without it. So even though ideally he should make the bracha, if he does it without making the bracha, nevertheless, the separation and the Truma is still valid. And the Mishnah just notes that Chiresh, the term whenever the Chachomim refer to a Chiresh in any place, and they give it as an example of somebody who doesn't have proper thoughts and intent, that is always somebody somebody who can neither hear nor speak. But if he can hear or he can speak, then he does have enough intent and thoughts, he does know what's going on, and therefore he would not be considered a chiresh, in the halachic sense, that he doesn't have proper thoughts. And although there are exceptions, the general rule whenever the Mishnah or the Gemara will refer to a chiresh, that refers specifically to somebody who can neither speak or hear.
Mission Gimel. We're now going to develop the third person on the list, and that was a Koton, a child who is below the age of Bar Mitzvah. Now the halacha is that in order to be considered an adult, somebody who's obligated in mitzvah, somebody who has full intent and thoughts, and full understanding, there are two conditions which need to be met. The first one is, as we know, he has to be of the age of 13 years old. He has to be bar mitzvah. But the second condition is he has to have reached the stage of his maturity, that he's developed shtesaris, two pubic hairs, hair which only begins growing later on in life, once a boy has properly matured. So in order to be considered an adult, he has to be 13 years old and have reached a significant stage of maturity. Now when it comes to a child, there are different stages of one's maturity and one's understanding, and so it's not so simple just to say that anybody below the age of 13 cannot separate truma, because some younger people do have understanding. And so we're going to have a three-way machlekes, three different opinions as to what is considered a child who does have enough understanding that he can separate truma. So we've already had the first opinion and in the first mission of the Masechta, and that opinion is that anybody below the age of 13, or even if he is 13 but he hasn't reached that stage of maturity, he cannot separate Truma. So that's going to be the most strict view. But we're going to see now the two opinions in our Mishnah. Cotton a child who has not yet reached the stage of Shtesaris, of developing the two hairs of that sign of maturity. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says Truma his Truma would be valid. So Rabbi Yehuda agrees, and everybody agrees, that anybody who is not 13, or who has not reached Shtesaris, should ideally not separate Truma. The discussion is whether, if he does separate it, is it valid? So according to Yehuda, it would be valid, and even if he's, let's say, 7 or 8 years old, it would also be valid according to Yehuda. Because he does have a certain level of understanding, at least from the age of 6 or 7. Alright, now the third opinion Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, and before we see what exactly he says, we need to understand two things. Number one, is that in Halacha one is able to make a vow that a specific thing should be forbidden for him. He can make a neder, a vow, for example, that all dairy products, let's say, are forbidden to him. So just by saying that, now all dairy products become forbidden for him. So if you think about it, when you separate something as trimmer, in a way that's a sort of neither. Because just by your speech saying that this thing should be trimmer, already from then it becomes trimmer, and therefore it's forbidden for you. And because of that, Rabbi Yossi is going to compare the halachas of trimmer to the halachas of nadarim, of vows. Now the halacha is with regards to vows that a boy from the age of 12 and a girl from the age of 11, so that's one year before Barabbas Mitzvah, from that point they are considered to have enough understanding that if they make a vow, it will be valid. And Sir Biosi says that the same applies to Truma. If this child has not yet reached the stage of Oynas Nadorim, which is the age that he can make vows, then he agrees with the first opinion, in Trumose Truma, the Truma will not be valid at all. It wasn't done with enough understanding. However, once the child has reached the stage where his vows would be valid, then his truma would be valid, although ideally he shouldn't separate truma until he's bar mitzvah. If he does, then it would be valid, just like if he made a regular need there, a regular vow, it would be valid.